you know, like it didn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, because I didn't have a job at the time. I only had, you know, um, I poured just about every penny I had into an engagement ring. So I only had like 50 bucks left in my account. But I, I just had the counsel of, of my spiritual director saying, you know, sometimes uh, one of the things he said was, you know, if, if you need a car to turn, you have to be moving forward. You, you, like, you can't just turn the wheel, but the car is stationary. You know, you have to be moving forward. And, um, and then, um, you know, that's the whole letting God steer, right? Just take steps and, you know, God will, uh, will guide you. What's going on, world? Welcome to another Project Whetstone podcast brought to you by Blaze Ministry 707, where we are here to help shape and sharpen your faith by sharing our experiences, not only growing up in the 707 Vallejo, but and beyond, as I have Brother CeeLo and Brother Jay coming at you from Eureka and Fresno, and I'm coming at you live and direct from South Carolina. What is going on, brother brothers? Hello, hello. What's up, brothers and all you listeners? Yes, episode number one for Catorce Put. Come on, y'all. I am excited and pumped that, uh, again, we are allowing this Holy Spirit to guide our lips, our mouths, our minds, our feet, putting Rudy in the game. If you can't feel the Holy Spirit right now through this platform, through your headphones, through your car stereo, wherever you're listening to this podcast, and I don't know what to tell you because it is Pentecost Sunday. Come Holy Spirit, y'all. Come Holy Spirit. And fellas, yeah, this is definitely um, a trip. And I say that because we, we've we been rocking for a while on this podcast and just thinking about how we went through kind of, well, not kind of, we went through Lent together and then this Easter season. And now I just feel like this is like a, a butterfly, right? A caterpillar just like transforming. I feel like the same thing is happening, not just individually with all of us, but especially with this podcast, especially with this podcast, just learning new things. So again, you know, time from timestamps to descriptions. And, and uh, we pray and hope that for those of you who do listen and share this podcast, that you do take advantage of those timestamps. And again, there's there's even more depth in the description so that if you like to just kind of read about what inspires our podcast, um, it's there too. So, so yeah, fellas, just, you know, just checking in. How's everything going on your ends of the earth? How's everything going out there, y'all? A little busy. Just got my second dose and doing a little more preparation for the move. We actually just um, went out to, um, had to drive out a, a few hours to the nearest place where they had a a used van for sale. <laughs> so, Whoa, so we're getting ready to get well, a hold van. on, hold on, yeah. JJJ. Remember last podcast though, you weren't really revealing nothing. So are you are you revealing a little bit more to us? Because uh, all you said in the last podcast was, yeah, just going through some changes. Not ready mm-hmm. to reveal it now. So now you're buying used vans, bro. What, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, we're getting ready to to make a big move. Yeah, starting to tell a little more people, um, but. Uh, I think I think it's a, a safe to say now. So we're getting ready to move to Houston. I'm going to be um, uh, studying uh, philosophy. I was hoping to get a P- into a PhD program initially, but uh, I got into the master's program there. So I'm going to be studying um, at the Thomistic Center 
at the University of St. Thomas in Houston um, starting this fall. So That's awesome, bro. No, that is legit. Did you say that? Did we hear that correctly? Houston, Texas? Is that correct? Yep, yep. Houston, <laughs> Texas, Blaze Ministry yeah, is... Baby. Yeah, come on, come on. Let's do some love, baby boy. <laughs> Yeah, so much celebration, and uh, we are excited and praying for you always. And and Thank again, you, that's please. the that's the beautiful piece of of letting God steer. I mean, come on, Houston, Texas, and I'm pretty sure that's not what was in your plan or thoughts last year. Um, nope. <laughs> but again, another testament to just you know seeing God do what He does best if we allow Him to. And like you know, Brother Carla and Brother Jeremy's always been. You know, really harping on is just this idea of just giving him permission. Oh, let's just give God a little bit more permission. So we will actually be at some point in the near future recording our podcast in three different states, three different states. Now, if I'm three here, different time zones. three different time zones, three different states. Jeremy's gonna have some barbecue sauce on his shirt. <laughs> Yeehaw! No, I'm just playing, but definitely looking forward to today. And you said, you know, what's crazy is I. Earlier this week, I was at the barbershop and my friend or my barber, I should say, was saying that they got found a round trip ticket here from Greenville, GSP, to Houston, $62. Nice. Yeah. So hopefully we can, you know, have we'll have a place to come visit when y'all are all settled in. So sweet. Right on. Congratulations, brother. Mm -hmm. We know God is, is doing great things. And yeah, man, let's do it. Brother CeeLo, what's going on in Fresno? Dad of four, husband of a beautiful MD, holding it down the way that you do. What's good, my bro? I'm done with finals. That's all you got to say. Shout out to my sons that let me study uh, when I would sneak off to study while they were just chilling. But it's good. On to the next thing. Got a... Got a great grade in physics. I love it. So nice. On to the next thing. On to the next thing. Just excited. <laughs> LGS. Like God steer, man. I'm excited to go visit Houston. I'm excited to go yeah. visit Greenville, South Carolina. Oh yes. <laughs> amen. Amen. And I guess we all sharing different things. We're letting God steer. So let's see. Something new, or not even necessarily new, but what's popping off on this side of town as well our confirmation class is getting um confirmed in the next week so that is going to be um, a great time again being out here and i think that's one of the things that i've been learning is or not even learning but just confirming is that yes in cali i was comfortable and i still you know still have a lot to learn um still growing but taking the skills and the experience and the heart for the work that I had back home over here has really shown up to be something that is of value to everyone in the sense that, you know, of course, I'm a different flavor. I'm a different style. I'm a different type of faith, so to speak, out here. But the taking they're taking to, you know, my spirit is uh is actually really surprising in the sense that you know a lot of new folks out here like bro right bro right i'm like what and so next week uh i'll be sharing a little bit doing a little piece on reconciliation because we're gonna do a class reconciliation and for our listeners that's the sacrament of confession and there's this opportunity that i got to uh, record for young adults in the archdiocese of new york so shout out to all the the team out there to do a six 
our series on forming adult leaders and then also working with teen leadership. So there are some very specific topics and subjects they'd like me to speak to. So I'll be working with their media manager there and I'll be recording my first online on-demand video course series um, in this space and in this arena. So that's definitely something that I'm going to be um, handling or, you know, being involved with this summer. Um, it's going to take about a two month. We're looking at a two month time frame to get the work done, but I am just letting God steer and seeing what this can do and, and where God, what God wants to do with it. They, uh, they're excited to, to have me be one of the presenters or one of the creators for this program. So yeah, just a lot of good things happening, fellas. And I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to be a part of it with all of you. Cause I feed, off of each and every one of you. Speaking of feeding today on... Can I say really quick? Yeah, come on, bro. Go for it. The word universal. The word Catholic. Man, that's that's what I'm talking about. You, mm-hmm. you brought something that developed in a little town called Vallejo. You brought it to South Carolina. And somehow it's being accepted. You know, and it's just... Because it's it's something that was created with the universal ingredient, you know what I'm saying? And I, I just see that's the kind of that's why when you told me you were moving to South Carolina, I was like, Bro, you're gonna have no problem, you know. I mean that's me standing from from the sidelines, you know, watching <laughs> all the all the things that you had to do to get there, but in my heart I was like, Man, he's bringing something over there that's universal. Yeah, and yeah. No, I was excited for that, man. I appreciate that. And 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 for our listeners out there, just to be clear, like there is still a lot of work to do. There are still a lot of mindsets out here that aren't necessarily open arms accepting per se of the flavor and style that I bring. But at the parish that we're at, I mean, super, you know, on board. And and again, you'll see that like we've noticed the different styles of the, you know, Catholicism, which again, this is, we're all still one body, right? But like you said, bro, Silo, like there was this part of me that was like, man, is bro right even going to get some love out there? Is it, you know, and and I, and I kept, you know, telling myself, you can't be someone different because you're in a different place. Like be mindful of your area, your environment, you know, get to know where you are and see how you can actually still be your authentic self in those spaces and that's something that i'm definitely learning because i'll say so far i haven't met any filipinos y'all no filipinos in in my parish now granted there's a bigger parish in the next city over that has the simbunga bay and all the filipino you know filipino mass one saturday every every month but you know this parish is inner city smaller uh, the the demographics that they serve is a lot different. And that was something that we want. It's a really smaller church. But yeah, bro, I, th- I think that's definitely, again, just another testament to just letting God steer, trusting that what you have is enough. And if you just can bring that authenticity to wherever you go, people will see the Christ in that. Let me call it the apostolic experience, bro. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so fitting that we're talking about this. Mm-hmm right before Pentecost. I mean, you are living, I mean, you don't have to, you know, ride on a camel and walk 500 miles in, in the desert or anything, you know, but 
still, you know, to to put down what you had and to just go, you know, two by two and to get out there and be something telling you, like, just go. And you're like, what what am I going to do over there? Just go. You know, I mean, that has to be, you know, the, the apostolic experience, you know, and and see modern day, modern day apostolic experience. (laughs) I appreciate that, brothers. Again, just kind of loving your your perspectives on it. Right. Because, you know, even as you're sharing that for our listeners who may not know the full story, like leaving here or leaving California to come to South Carolina, it wasn't because of work. It wasn't because there was jobs lined up. You know, most of the time people will leave to another state because of work or because of opportunities, you know, financially. But actually, it's the opposite. We came out here with no work, with no backup plan, so to speak, or even plan for a job and lining something up. So when we're meeting people or when we're applying for bank accounts and new things out here to get established, you're like, Oh, so what do you do for work? Or what brought, you know, what work brought you out here? <laughs> and then I'll, and I'll just kind of jokingly say God's work. And they're like, hmm? <laughs> but really right. God's work brought me out here. So are us out here. So I think that again, to the apostle, the, what does you called it? The Apostolic, apostolic experience. Yeah, the apostolic experience, you know, because not like they were going to wherever God sent them to get paid or to go have a nice vacation or to have nice things, right? Like that wasn't their reason um, for going out and doing the work. So I can kind of relate to that <laughs> in a sense, just like coming out here like, all right. you know. And see, one thing I want to point out with your experience that I want, you know, our listeners to understand is that you know, this isn't something that Brother Ryan, you know, developed overnight. This is this is years of, you know, Brother Ryan choosing to give the Holy Spirit permission to work. You know, this is years of honing the ability to kind of feel and understand how the Holy Spirit is talking to him and pushing him and inspiring him and and it's not easy. You know, that thing is not easy at all to take that leap of faith when you feel that thing that, you know, each of us, you know, between the three of us, we know what I'm talking about. To other people might not be, you know, very obvious. You know, it might be a simple thought that pops up in your head that somehow, you know, continues to just nag at you and you feel like you have to do something about it. And at the same time, there's people that'll just, you know, squash that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, and, and what I'm getting at is that this ability to, you know, not only give the Holy Spirit permission, but to kind of understand, you know, how it's steering you is, is kind of, you know, it's not an acquired taste, but kind of a, a honed skill to be able to do, you know. Like I, I'm not saying I hear voices telling me straight up, you know, what to do, turn left, turn right, you know, but there is that feeling of something urging you to do something that, you know, quite honestly might not make sense to everyone around you. You know, you might even get counseled against doing it because on paper doing the math, it might not make sense. But, you know, what math is there? that we have here on this world that makes 
allowing yourself to be crucified on a cross make any sense you know what i'm saying and, yeah and that's the best analogy i can do is like it's some of the things that you know the you know and we talked about this in previous podcasts there's things about being part of the faith that you know we just have a different understanding of things you know a different way of viewing things a different way we walk a different way we live and a big part of that is because you know once you allow the holy spirit to work in you and you give it permission to work in you the math that it's doing doesn't match the math of the world um oh yeah oh yeah big facts big facts no and 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 really you know, as we're talking about this, I think Bro J actually is kind of the newest inductee of this Let God Steer movements of this, you know, what I call like the Holy Spirit nudging at you and pulling on your strings because, you know, Brother CeeLo actually was the original by, you know, picking up and leaving from Vallejo to... I, I can't take credit to, for that. Bro, I'm just saying, way back oh, out, of, out of us three, <laughs> out of us three, you took the, like, in terms of leaving your comfort zone for your family and, you know, the traveling you were doing when Maggie was, you know, doing her residencies, right? One place to the next, Oregon, here, there, and everywhere. And then, yes, Danielle and I, our biggest move was literally across the country, or even before that, leaving my hospital job, right? And, and one thing I've learned is, like you said, this is a saying yes and making these decisions, this discernment is a development, is a muscle. It is definitely a muscle that has to be developed. And what I'm learning more now is that the more we discern and the more we develop it, it doesn't necessarily make it easier to do, but it actually makes more sense to do, right? So again, listeners, it's not that it makes it easier to do, but it actually makes more sense to do. And I think that Jay is the newest, you know, member in the sense that he already took one big leap, leaving um, Fairfield, Vallejo area to go to Eureka, and now from Eureka to Eureka, I mean, to, to Austin or is it Houston or Austin? My bad. Houston. 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 Right. So, so Jay, if you could just, again, I know we're, we're going to jump into the reading soon, y'all. All right. But I'm just curious, like, what was that like for you? The first move and then now making this one for yourself personally, like what was kind of the internal battle or struggle if there was any what were kind of the thoughts you were having? And then what just made you say, all right, I'm going, I'm done. I'm, we're leaving. We're doing this. You know, when it was like from Fairfield, Vacaville to Eureka and then Eureka to um, California to Texas, what was kind of your, your process? And I know, of course, you and May have a process together, but kind of what was your, like, what were you thinking? What were you going through individually? If you don't mind sharing that with our listeners. Um. I would have to say a lot of it is it, uh, comes from one of my first major experiences of taking that leap of faith. That was when, you know, May and I were, were still dating, but we've been dating for about seven years and then, uh, or six years actually. And then I decided that I was going to propose kind of like the 11th hour. <laughs> and that's a whole story in itself. But, um, you know, like it didn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, because I didn't have a job at the time. I only had, you know, um, 
I poured just about every penny I had into an engagement ring. So I only had like 50 bucks left in my account. But I, I just had the counsel of, of my spiritual director saying, you know, sometimes uh, one of the things he said was, you know, if, if you need a car to turn, you have to be moving forward. You, you, like, you can't just turn the wheel, but the car is stationary. You know, you have to be moving forward. And, um, and then, um, you know, that's the whole letting God steer, right? Just take steps and, you know, God will, uh, will guide you. This, this is actually getting ready for World Youth Day uh, 2013 in Rio. So I had the ring and I was just looking for the right time. Uh, there was still a part of me that was like, am I, am I doing this? Am I, am I really doing this? Like, I don't have a job. There's like, I, I, I don't see any way that I can provide for me in any way. I just know that, um, you know, I love her and that God has brought us together. Uh, I kind of made one of those deals with God. And like, okay, uh, so, you know, Rio is, is home to the creation, uh, Cristo Hedentor, the Christ the Redeemer statue, the world famous one. It was a day where our host family was supposed to bring us up there, but there were there's a lot of like little. Eh, I don't know if we if we can make it. There might be a lot of people. It might take hours to get up there. And you know, one of our host uh, uh, family members was injured, and it might be a little hard for her. And I, so I made, kind of made a deal with God. I'd really like to propose there, and so I I, I made the deal. God, if you can get us up there, um, I'll propose. I'll do it. And um, you know, we're they're playing around with the idea, you know. But um, one of the things that they thought was, was going to take like hours, it only took us thirty minutes to get up there. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and um, um, what was even more sure he put you on the fast track. He was like, I know what you're about to do. You okay? No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. He's like, oh, okay, yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um. And one of the things that surprised me because you 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 see the statue and it's it's in video games and movies and all that kind of stuff, but um, uh, no one tells you that there's a a Catholic chapel at the base of the statue. And so we went in there, we prayed together before the Blessed Sacrament, and then um, uh, a little after we came out of there, for some reason somebody uh, decided, hey, let's all get together and um, like form a circle around the statue and pray the our father in each of our own languages and um and that was kind of unusual because um no one was really gathering to do that before or or after that (laughs) and uh um the people that we talked to uh after didn't have that same experience and so um so then i I proposed right then and there but i mean the reason why i go into the story is um you know, we go through the rest of World Youth Day, long story short, and uh, you know, we, we get back. And then um, the day after we get back, there's a an email waiting for me that led me to my first job, <laughs> like to, to my first like real job. You know, like uh, I, I was doing like odd jobs here and there to get the money that I had for the ring, but like nothing that was really sustainable or, you know, um, anything like that. And, $50 um, in your pocket, bro. Come on, fifty dollars exactly. in yeah. your pocket. <laughs> Took the leap, bought the ring, yeah. was like, "Bro, I got fifty dollars left." Man, yeah. <laughs> Come on, y'all. If y'all listening yeah. and seeing these connections, connect the dots. Man, go ahead, bro. My yeah. bad. No, no. <laughs> so that was like my first real experience of of God's providence. You know that He was not gonna let, um, you know, He that He was 
indeed looking after me, you know, and that he was guiding me uh, in, uh, in life and that he was going to provide, you know, it wasn't going to uh, look like what everyone else says it should look like in terms of, you know, having enough money and, you know, having all these things lined up. But, um, you know, I took that leap and uh, God saw me through it the whole way, you know, the whole way. Just seeing how God has provided for me and um, May throughout the years has kind of led up to this experience that, you know, um, yeah, this is a, this is a, an, another big leap uh, that we're taking. You know, but, um, you know, because God has provided before, why would he not continue to provide now? You know, <laughs> and um, this was sort of a stop um, gap, like May never really wanted to stay in this job. Really, God bless her, because like, I feel like she's helping me to keep my dream alive of becoming, you know, an academic and a, and a writer in a time where, you know, it's really hard to break into that. Um, we're just kind of, we've, we've been extremely fortunate in the last year or so in terms of material um, uh, material wealth and, and goods um, uh, to have enough to where, um, you know, when a lot of people are, are struggling uh, with the pandemic and, you know, with jobs and stuff like that, um, we really didn't have that, that uh, worry, you know. And um, we've been really grateful to God for that. And it's what uh, we feel like all the, this, all the things that God has been giving to us is to prepare us for this move because it is, it is going to take a lot of money to do this. Um, and so um, that's, I think that's the best I can say from, from, from my vantage point. God could probably say a lot more, but <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're just kind of waiting to see what, what will come about from all this. Man, if he is with you, who can be against man, you, man? For reals, bro. I mean, yeah, that that's just, you know, again, to our listeners out there, I know you probably could just stop the podcast right now and be good and be on your way, <laughs> right? Because of <laughs> of just what we're sharing in real life in real time. And, and I think that's something that is just a testament of, again, developing, right, constantly developing your relationship with God. And and something that I've always said and believed is like, we'll never know God's plan fully revealed if we don't stick with him. And it's not just saying we love God, we believe in God, we pray to God, but it's actually allowing God to guide our movements, to guide our mind and our heart and our spirit. And when we can really do that, and so some of us listening right now, are, are still struggling with allowing God to take over, like you won't see the full beauty of what God has planned for you if you keep holding on to things that maybe God doesn't want you to have anymore or things that God needed you to have for a purpose, but now it's time for you to move on from that. And I think that's really where a lot of us get hung up. And I love how Brother Jay was like, you know, we had the materials and the goods. I was like, man, you are here, you know, breaking it down in terms of, that was just what it was. It was just, you know, the material wealth and the goods. That's all it was. It wasn't, you know, super specific, which I know a lot of folks focus on specifics, details, mm -hmm. um, when it comes to material things and the goods that they have. And, and yeah, bro, I just feel like that's a super um, powerful testament to kind of, again, all of us here just letting God steer. And and you might be feeling like some of the apostles and some of the disciples during this time 
um, in the readings we're going to talk about where you're lost, confused, not sure what's going on. Our leader left. What do we do now? And maybe you might be like that in your life. And I think that's why I lo- or that's why today's podcast, today's readings, Pentecost Sunday um, is so important. And I feel like it's that that recharge, that reminder that, all right, y'all, we might have been knocked down, but we are not knocked out. Here is how we're going to get to the next level. Here's how we're going to get back up. Here is how we are going to get everything we need to move forward that is going to be provided by God and not by man. So with that, we're going to jump into the theme of today's reading on this Pentecost Sunday. Go ahead and take it away, Brother Jay. So all the readings from the Pentecost vigil readings to the readings of the day, it's all about the Holy Spirit, what the power of the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit from, uh, from uh, as the promise of the Father and uh, through, uh, you know, the breath of Jesus, you know, uh, handing over his spirit uh, so that we can have his life uh, living in, in us and that, um, you know, we can say with St. Paul is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We're going to be delving deep into all these aspects of the Holy Spirit <laughs> uh, and how the Holy Spirit empowers the church and enables the church to speak uh, to the world so that other, so that others may understand and to know God and his providence, um, you know, as we've, we've all experienced <laughs> and we can, we can uh, testify and definitely speak to the world about that, those concrete experiences of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and just get right into it, y'all. Here is the first reading. Yes, the first reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Again, the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. All right, so uh, one of the things we should uh, realize about the word Pentecost, the word pente is uh, Greek for 50. Uh, So this is taking place 50 days after Easter. This will help us to understand why there was so many uh, different kinds of Jewish people uh, in Jerusalem at the, uh, at, that we'll see later in this first uh, reading. But this is the, the, the story of Pentecost in this first reading that we uh, are really gathered together to hear today is Acts chapter 2. About 10 days ago, we read about the story of the ascension. And Jesus told his disciples, go back to the upper room where they shared the Last Supper, go and pray. And so they did that. But uh, he told them that he would send uh, a paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to come and help them. And so uh, they did precisely that. And you can imagine that they were um, they were there uh, scared because, you know, the stuff with, with Christ and him being killed and uh, his followers being persecuted hadn't blown over quite yet, but they were there. And, you know, like, like you guys mentioned a little earlier, Christ was taken from their sight. So he wasn't present to them in, uh, in the way that they were accustomed to. He, it's not that he was gone. Uh, you know, as Bishop Barron would say, he was just present to them in a new way. So they pray for nine days. Um, and, uh, there's some 
traditions that say that this is one of the first novenas, novena to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, I, I don't really know how true that is, but I, I like to think that it is the first of, uh, official novena. Yeah. And for our listeners, y'all, <laughs> novena means nine. Okay. So in case yeah. y'all are listening, novena, what's that? Novena means nine. So, hey, I like that connection though. Even if it's unofficial, all right, y'all, this might be unofficial, but just another good way to, to think of it. So. Yeah, nine nine days of prayer, um, and then um, usually it's accompanied by uh, a special request, and you can make novenas to the Holy Spirit, novena to uh, Mary, novena to uh, uh, angels and saints and things like that. Jesus instructed um, his disciples to gather in that room and pray, um, and so they did that for nine days, and on the tenth day, uh, which was which would be Pentecost. Remember, Jesus ascended on the 40 days after Easter. So Pentecost is taking place 50 days after Easter. And uh, this happens. I love the imagery in the story because it, it brings together so many things from the Old Testament. Uh, but just some quick uh, uh, things that uh, indicate the Holy Spirit, not just that the fact that it's mentioned explicitly. You know, there's the sound of a strong driving wind. The word spirit in Greek is pneuma and uh in hebrew it's ruach and these these words are the same is the same word for breath right because uh, in ancient concepts you know there wasn't such a distinction between physics and religion right these weren't necessarily um you know they didn't have like a a dedicated science department in their <laughs> you know in their schools and when they went when the jewish people went to school they were learning how to be Jewish. They were learning their uh, language, their story, um, you know, the, the way that they do business, the family trade, you know, all that sort of, all those sorts of things. And so the word for breath was also the same word for spirit, you know, and, and that kind of makes sense. When somebody dies, what's the last thing they do is they let out that final breath, right? And so we can kind of see this as God kind of blowing on, uh, breathing upon this house right so they they um they heard the sound of a strong driving wind right um and then tongues of fire uh, appeared and came to rest on all of them they were filled with the holy spirit and um that from that they were able to speak in tongues and they were speaking such that um now just one more quick little detail regarding that the people who heard them if we look a little further down there was a large crowd gathered. Remember, uh, this was a, a Jewish feast, so people um, from all over would have been would have been gathered in Jerusalem. They were amazed that Galileans uh, they can understand these Galileans in their own native language. And the reason why the the word Galilean is significant is um, compared to the uh, the Judean uh, Jews, uh, Galileans were kind of country bumpkin. You know, they were considered. Um, you know, like uh, more rural, a rural type of people. So they wouldn't have been educated or uh, uh, really cultured as much as those who are living closer to Jerusalem. And so that, that kind of added to the astonishment that these are Galileans, are they not? So how come we can understand them in our native language? They shouldn't, they shouldn't be as cultured or like so much to know our languages. And so that, that kind of points a little bit more to the providence of God that, uh, that and the power of the Holy Spirit to empower even a Galilean to be able to speak to 
the people of the world. And what were they speaking of? Of the mighty acts of God, that God gives the this gave this gift to the disciples gathered there, gathered there to speak of him to the world, uh, to speak of his acts and his in his work. So very uh, one of my um, favorite stories in in the Bible uh, regarding the church. And um, this is actually the moment we consider the birthday of the church. And I, I kind of like to make a almost kind of like a Chuck Norris joke in this regard. Cause you know, and um, cause God, instead of blowing out candles, he blows and then it makes fire appear. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so uh, very um, powerful uh, story uh, for, about, about how, the church began its its apostolic mission amen amen and yeah happy birthday church and and yeah you know what what one thing that really stuck out to me bro while you were sharing and i was thinking about you know the word that brother carlo was using and uses all the time is right catholic universal and the idea that they were all filled with the holy spirit right they were all not just a group, but all. And even they started speaking in different tongues and just how you explained how everyone was speaking in their own language, but could understand each other. Right. I feel like even on us, you know, just zooming out a little bit and thinking about how God wants his church and his people to be, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter your language, no matter your culture, like here is the proof that God wants us to be in communion with each other, that he wants us to be one body, that he wants us, you know, to all be filled with his Holy Spirit. So I look at this reading in another perspective as, you know, unity being unified, saying, all right, y'all, look, I'm giving all of y'all this, like, you know, I'm giving all of y'all this spirit. I'm giving all of y'all this, this like level playing surface, so to speak, right? Because we all get this fresh start and we all get this opportunity to understand, to learn, to grow from each other, for each other in so many different ways. So I'm seeing definitely, as we talked about, you know, in Catholic social teaching, solidarity. And I look at this reading as a form of that solidarity that God wants for all of us, every single one of us. So, so yeah, thank you for pointing that out. And that's why I also agree because this, it's more fitting that this is the birth, right? This is of the birth of the birthday of the church when we truly have become one because it is being established through us because Christ, again, is no longer here in the physical, but is here in the spiritual, in his Holy Spirit, in God, the Father, and the Trinity, right? So now here is that that start, right? This is, I think, God saying, look, here's how we're going to do it. Everyone's going to get a fresh start. Everyone is going to get the same Holy Spirit. Everyone's going to be able to understand each other. Everyone's going to be able to go out and carry out your mission. And this is how we're going to spread. This is how we're going to, you know, um, affect the world. So beautiful, beautiful. So just a quick piece of history of Blaze Ministry. This right here, this story in Acts is exactly 
why we call it Blaze Ministry. I mean, this was the whole concept behind it, that tongues of fire, you know, would would just fill a person. And that's what we're hoping to do in Blaze Ministry, to, to, to get those tongues of fire on our brothers and sisters, you know, to, to come down on each and every one of us. Because, you know, one of the things that you'll see in a lot of, you know, Catholic art is, you know, yeah, these little little flames, you know, standing on, you know, the heads of the, the apostles. and But in reality, if, if you look at how it's described, you know, a rush of a mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared to them tongues as of fire. You know, I, I, I remember one of, one of the, uh, the explanations I heard of that was that they made it seem, or people seem to believe that it was just, you know, like a, a little, a little tiny flame. But in reality it was like almost like Goku going super Saiyan, you know, that's how much, you know, it, it manifested itself kind of like, you know, the, the way the burning bush, um, on, on, uh, Mount Sinai appeared to Moses. It wasn't just, you know, a little, a little flame. It was, it was burning pretty bright, pretty radiantly. Um, and so in the same way, you know, that's, that's where the idea of blaze ministry came from, you know, to try to set people on fire with the Holy Spirit and have them blaze up, you know, and, and to, you know, let their, let the Holy Spirit loose and let it do its work. Now, this, you know, I, I think I mentioned this before, um, you know, this part, this scripture coming from Acts has to be one of my most favorite, you know, stories in scripture. Um, not only because it's the birth of the Catholic Church, or it's, it's the birthday, I should say, but it's it's something that really truly paints the awesome picture of what we're supposed to be as a church. You know, um, it's, it's kind of interesting sometimes because, again, in, in a lot of traditional Catholic families, especially if you're a cradle Catholic, a lot of what the church has to offer is routine. It's, it's something that you just do because that's how it's always been done. Um, it, it, it is, it is sacred, but it seems as though the understanding of it to a lot of Catholics has been watered down, you know, to the point where it's like, oh no, no, it's just symbolic. You know, we're not, nothing really happened like it. this is just symbolic. And so when you water it down to just symbolism, you kind of go, well, how do we believe any of that stuff? If a lot of it is just symbolic and there's kind of that that disagreement with what is the history of the church and how we understand it today. Um, and I think this story kind of paints the picture of what it's really supposed to be. I mean, you have people who all speak different languages and they didn't have Rosetta Stone back then. You know, they didn't have, you know, computer programs where it's like, hey, I want to learn how to speak Aramaic today. You know, I'm going to go and get my laptop and practice while I'm on my camel on the way to, you know, to, to that festival. Um, you know, you, you had to be fairly privileged to be educated into something like that. 
you know, it's like you learn what your community learns. If, if you want to go off to university, I don't think that existed back then. And so for all these people to suddenly being able to speak and everyone understands each other in different languages, it's like you have to just take a look at that and be like, okay, is, is this what really happened or is this symbolic? And if this is what really happened and all these people started speaking another language that they weren't traditionally taught, how did that happen? And I think that gives you a peek into what the reality is or the possibility is of, of the Catholic Church. You know, there are gifts, there are powers that, you know, the Holy Spirit in, empowers you to be able to do. And, and that's, that's kind of the, that's the Catholic that I, I see myself as. It's like, there's some extra power that you've been given to wield to do the work that needs to be done. You know, it's not just Catholic calisthenics where, where we're kneeling, we're just bowing, we're just reciting. It's like, no, no, dude, there's, there's, there's power behind, you know, our faith and, when a person gets confirmed, they have those same abilities, of course, within, within, you know, the Holy Spirit working. Cause you know, obviously you're, you're not going to just have the ability to, you know, lift an X wing out of the mud just to show off to your friends. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're not going to go like that, but you know, we'll be able to do things that were greater than even what Jesus did. I mean, that's what he told us, you know? Um, and I think if we approach it, our faith in that way, in the way that Acts 2 is telling us how it's going to be, I think there's so much that could be done. You know, and, and again, I, I did this shout out before, but shout out to the the charismatic community, especially the Northern California Charismatic Conference. Um you know, again, that's that's a, a wing of the Catholic Church that, um, you know, truly believes in in allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through them. You know, and I have to admit that's that's probably one of the most interesting masses I've ever been to where time dilation occurred. You know, we were in mass for like three hours. It felt like forty five minutes for some reason because, you know, just the connection we felt during that mass of of the Holy Spirit being allowed to flow through the room and everyone in that room because they all wanted to be there was connected by that power. Man, we were, I looked at the clock like, what? it's been three hours we've been in mass? It felt like 45 minutes, man. And I was, you know, I'll call that time dilation. Um, but, you know, again, that's that's just the power of the Holy Spirit. Give it a chance, you know. The, the thing that, taught people how to speak another language without them even trying is the very thing that's waiting within you since the day of your confirmation to be able to help you do that work that you're supposed to do. It's waiting. That's what this story is trying to tell us. You know, like, like brother Ryan said, put Rudy in, man, let God steer, let him help you do that work that you we're destined to do the work that only you can complete and no one else can complete. Take that leap of faith. Go out there. 
man, go read, go read Acts right now. Understand what you're supposed to be doing this Pentecost. Understand how much power there really is in you with the Holy Spirit waiting for you to to give them permission to work. Whew. Brother, and and honestly, like before I forget, because, you know, there's so much <laughs> that I, I think about as both of y'all are sharing, which is, again, the Holy Spirit at work. But two things, you know, two words that come to mind is, or two, yeah, two words that come to mind for all of those who are going through the motions, cradle Catholics that are going through the motions, know the difference between convenience and conviction. But I think that's really what it comes down to when I'm hearing you speak, Carlo, about like, you know, how we learn all these things and we're going through these motions. And I feel like that whole symbolism idea or it's symbolic. It's like, no, 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 wait a minute, y'all. If it's symbolic, then really we're just doing this whole faith thing out of convenience or because, you know, everyone else is doing it and we're not really doing it out of conviction. So my invitation to all of us is let's continue to be more convicted when it comes to not only our faith and how we view it and how we believe in it, but also how we share it and how we show it and how we teach it. And most importantly, how we live it. Because if we're convicted about the different beliefs and we take our stand and it's not always the most popular thing because we're going against modern culture, pop culture, and we, and sometimes our friends and families don't really get it a hundred percent. That's okay. But as long as they see the conviction they have in you over time, it'll all make sense to everyone around you, whether they're a believer or not, whether family member or not, whether they're children or not. And I say that because, again, as Danielle and I have been standing where we stand and what we believe and our convictions are getting deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger, yes, it separates us sometimes from friends and family from doing certain things or you know being involved in certain ways. But what we're seeing now is through our friends and family who have been, you know, been against our friends and family like they start they're starting to see why now and even some of our younger the young people in the life and our daughter included are starting to see a little bit more now why we have the conviction that we have and maybe are being inspired by that so so you know again conviction not convenience for all of our cradle catholics out there um when it comes to living this faith sharing this faith practicing this faith especially when it comes to our kids. So, so thank you for sharing that, my bro. So, Brother Jay, any thoughts before we jump into the responsorio? Yeah, I just wanted to um, point out, um, if you happen to glance over the um, the vigil readings for Pentecost, uh, the church has us read um, the, the story of the Tower of Babel. Um, and that's an important... Uh, story uh, for the Jewish people. Uh, it, it kind of explains uh, how um, sin is, in a sense, a part, and particularly the sin of pride, is part of how uh, the world became so fractured, and um, how there is so many different languages. You know, if you if you don't know the story of uh, the Tower of Babel, uh, Genesis eleven. Um, Genesis chapter 11, I'll try and put a description in or put that in the description, but it's it's sort of a mythological story of how the world uh, became so scattered among its own people because it it was saying that 
at one point, you know, everyone spoke the same language and understood the same things. And because of their, uh, because they were able to accomplish so much on their own, God saw this as, um, as a, a pride going in the wrong direction because um, they weren't, they were thinking that all this uh, was their own doing and not God's, right? And so uh, God decided to confuse their their languages, confuse their tongues, and and scatter them throughout the earth. And the the story of Pentecost is is supposed to be, uh, and what we see in the church uh, by putting these stories together, is that the this story of Pentecost is a correction to that, you know, that uh, where um, our sin in a sense scattered us and confused confused us so that we couldn't uh, work together to serve our own purposes. Now God is correcting that by using humble Galileans, gathering people together, and allowing us to speak the language of uh, uh, and the words of the mighty acts of God. And so um, uh, uh, I always thought that was a beautiful kind of juxtaposition that the church in her wisdom kind of teaches us uh, as uh, like a kind of like a mother te- uh, telling us some stories. You know. Yeah, I love how you you said sin. What is it? Sin scatters. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Sin, sin scatters. Whoa! Just thinking about that, <laughs> the effect of sin on on us today. So, man, right on, brother. No, definitely important. So check that out. Genesis eleven. All right, the story of the Tower of Babel. Now, again, we're Pentecost Sunday. The Holy Spirit is coming down. And of course, everything is intentional when it comes to the readings for the Mass. So our next reading is the Responsorial, which comes from Psalm 104, chapter 1, 24, 29 to 31, and 34. So our response to this reading, uh, it comes from Psalm 104. Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. One of the things that we read in the very f- first couple of verses of Genesis is that, you know, the, the world was without form and void, that there was a, a mighty wind hovering over the waters or, or blowing over the waters. And there have, there have been Christian traditions of reading that wind as uh, the spirit of God, uh, the, the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And, um, and, um, you know, it's not, it's not just God, the father that creates the, the whole Trinity together creates, you know, we would talk about how God said, you know, so we can talk about God, the father as the speaker, uh, the word is the son, right? Uh, that's a strong tradition in, in, in Christianity to read God's word as the second person of the Trinity, the son of God. And then um, that we talked about how spirit also means breath. And so another title of the Holy Spirit is the, the breath of God. And and, and so um, there's a tradition of seeing creation as God taking a breath and speaking. And, um, and this is how the Trinity is at work in creation, right? And so we're the the psalm and the psalmist is in a sense asking god to recreate renew the earth uh, by breathing on us once again right because we need that you know after the fall remember the psalms were written well before christ and so the it's a prayer that for the earth to be renewed because we had um you know we lost paradise uh, earth had become a wasteland in a sense you know uh, and hostile to humanity, 
uh, and humanity itself was was subject to the reign of decay, as it's uh, called in some circles. You know the, that you know we were from our sin destined for nothingness, destined for death, a, a life of futility that will end in nothingness. And so, this is an earnest uh, prayer uh, from the psalmist for God to renew us, and um, because we can still see the greatness of God through his creation. And that's what majority of this psalm is about, looking at the works of God, uh, particularly that it's created by God and that God sustains all uh, uh, sustains all of creation, um, all things living, all things um, non-living, all things visible and invisible. All things are not, you know, they weren't just created by God and then God left them alone. Uh, if God were to ever forget any of his creatures, it would just it would be like they never existed. And we see that in the last uh, verse of our of our psalm. If you take away their their breath, they perish and return to their dust. You know, and how did God create humanity? We we see that um, in in the book of Genesis, God formed Adam out of the uh, the clay, the dust of the earth, and then He breathed into him. If God uh, if God can breathe into us, he can also take our breath away, right? Um, but the psalmist is asking, is recognizing the power of God to do that, but asking, send forth your spirit and renew us, recreate us, make us new. So very beautiful psalm, um, very fitting for today. Yeah, no, there's so much there. And for me, um, just the word, the one word that really stands out and it's just a reminder for us during this this Pentecost Sunday, right? Renew. Right? If if there was only one word I can take away from this whole responsorial is renew. Like this is the time, no matter where we are in our faith, no matter how faithful we've been, no matter how unfaithful we've been no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what our struggles have been with our faith, with our God, with those in our faith communities, those, you know, leaders in our, in our church, whatever it might be, whatever our struggle might be, or whatever we've continued to, you know, even for those of us who have been on a faithful path, who have stayed on track for the most part, there's still opportunity and there's still room for renewal. And that's another reason why I appreciate the Catholic faith, especially because we're going through all of these readings and cycles. We have these liturgical seasons that, you know, come in different times, you know, during different times in our own personal lives. But the consist, the consistency, right, the consistency that you know what to expect in terms of what the church is going to deliver, but how we take it, how it applies in our current lives and the situations that we have going on is always going to call for a renewal. And I've always believed that, you know, the moment you think you know it all is the moment you don't know anything at all. And I think that's really important to to think about for me as I move forward, as we move forward in our, in our faith. Just, you know, today it's like, Let's be renewed in all ways so that we can renew the face of the earth.
One of the things that come to mind when, um, you know, it's, it's talking about renewing the face of the earth, um, kind of also reminds me of, of at least what I've witnessed in terms of how the Holy Spirit renews a person. And this is kind of a, a, a tricky, maybe even a, a concept that's counterintuitive. But whenever something needs to be renewed in life, um, and, and this has been referred to or cited several times in scripture, it has to die. You know, um, what, what's that, uh, what's that song where they talk about in order for a piece of wheat to grow? Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Right. It remains but a single grain. Right. And so that, that piece of that grain of wheat has to die first. Um, which is interesting because the way, and I'm just, this is developing my mind as I'm talking about it. We're talking about life and how the Holy Spirit breathes life into things. But yet something that creates life has to die first to create that life. And it's, it's kind of a a weird connection. It, It makes sense in my head because I'm a little weird, I guess, but, um, in terms of how the Holy Spirit works in your life to renew your life, something might have, might have, maybe has to die. You know, and I'm not saying someone. I'm not, don't get it confused. But something might have to die, and what I mean by this, and this is more of a witness testimony, is what I've seen is that. Sometimes in order for your life to head in that direction that you thought you knew was going to be the way it was supposed to be for you to achieve maximum potential to be completely happy. And it doesn't work out. It doesn't quite work out. You know, you're disappointed. You're bothered. You know, and and some people will even go as far as saying, oh, man, God's punishing me. You know, I've, I've had a few instances in life where even my own family's like, man, why is it, why is it always the faithful people that get punished? You know, and what I found is that in order for your life to be renewed and to get to that point that you really want to be at, maybe even a point that you don't know that you want to be at. Sometimes the Holy Spirit has to redirect you away from something that you thought you wanted into something that was even much better and something that truly renews you, truly gives you new hope. And I think there's people who could testify to this where they had one direction that they had in life. I know I can. And then that direction, that thing that I invested so much time into, in essence, died. You know, it doesn't exist anymore. Something that I spent years 
developing that I got to enjoy for a little bit. And I thought that was going to be the rest of my life. And that was going to be the end of it. I was going to die happy doing this one thing that I invested so much of my time and energy and love into. It's It's gone. You know, and, and I know this is a struggle that adults deal with on a regular basis. And yet, when you place your trust in the Holy Spirit and you let the Holy Spirit steer, when you let God steer, all of a sudden, you're headed in this direction that like, man, I didn't know I could be this happy. I didn't know I could be this fulfilled if I hadn't gone in this direction. And so in the same way that... This psalm is saying, Lord, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Well, maybe there's a disclaimer they should throw in there. When when he's renewing something, something else has to die. But when you get that renewed something, oh man, it's 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 more amazing than you would have expected. It's even better than what you allowed to die off so that this thing could grow. And I you know, I'm just thinking about brother Ryan and brother Jeremy and you know, the experiences they had and I'm thinking I I think you guys can understand where I'm coming from, you know, with this in letting the Holy Spirit guide you. Mm-hmm. And so I guess what I'm trying to get at with this psalm is trust in the Lord to renew the face of your reality, of your earth. Trust that when he allows something to wither and die in your life, and again, I'm not talking about people. The, you know, you know. Let me make that fine line. I don't, I don't know how that works. You know, that's that's not something I say. I, you know, when people, you know, die and move on, that's not something I'm trying to explain. What I'm trying to explain is when you have certain things in your life, certain jobs maybe, maybe even certain relationships, maybe certain goals, and those things don't work out, but God is redirecting you, it's because he has something better for you. See, I'm just pulling all these different, you know, uh, all these different uh, ideas and come, you know, kind of putting them into this, this psalm, but... I guess the take-home message is trust that if you're going through something and you're letting the Holy Spirit work and you're letting God steer, oh, man, you got something better coming. Trust me. Even if you're crying right now, even if you're in tears thinking about that very thing that you thought you loved and you devoted so much of your time and energy to and now you're watching it wither away, even in those tears, you know, hold on to hope because I promise you the Holy Spirit is working on renewing the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. And and I know we're talking about like the Holy Spirit, you know, coming down upon us, um, us being unified, us being renewed. And you might be thinking, well, okay, now what? I mean, okay, it all sounds good, but how is this going to work? What are we going to do? What's my role? Or how can I contribute to renewing the face of the earth? Well, that's why we have this next reading, which comes from the first Corinthians chapter 12, verses three through seven. 
and 12 through 13. Okay, so again, our second reading, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 3 through 7 and 12 through 13. Right, so this this chapter, uh, the Corinthians letter comes from our uh, good friend, St. Paul. <laughs> and he's getting ready to explain about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And um, he's explaining this to Corinth. And we, we mentioned this, like, in, I think one of the, one of our first podcasts, but uh, that Corinth is a port city, a very diverse town, very the Bay um, area of the Bible. <laughs> exactly. And, um, uh, and so there would have been a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life. And um, I've heard some people even compare it to like a Bay area slash Las Vegas type of, type of thing because you know being a port city you know <laughs> you get a lot of people wanting a lot of different things but i won't get into that anyway paulus uh knows he's speaking to a vi very diverse church uh, or a church community there in in corinth uh and i there's a sense in which he's he's sort of frustrated with the community in that they're fixating on their gifts and they're they're comparing their gifts with one another uh that oh you know God gave me a, a gift of speaking tongues. Oh, God gave me a gift of healing people, you know, or God gave me a gift for speaking, you know, these, these different things. And so uh, you can kind of hear in Paul's voice, as, if you read the whole thing, that he's he's sort of guiding them toward unity, whereas these pride, you know, and, and this is connected with the Tower of Babel, the pride that they're taking in their gifts is a misdirected pride because they should be boasting in God, not themselves, right? Paul is gently reminding them, um, you know, we're all here to do the same thing, which is to proclaim Jesus is Lord, right? Uh, and that's why you have the gifts that you have. That's the purpose of the gifts is everyone, by the way that you, uh, through your gifts, you're supposed to just say Jesus is Lord, you know, and not, you know, um, you say Jesus is Lord by you know, healing in his name and by speaking in his name and speaking of the works of, of uh, God through Christ. And so um, he's he's very much catechizing uh, the church in Corinth about the spiritual gifts. And, and this very much touches on, you know, what we were talking about earlier about the, the Catholicness of the church. The Catholic means universal. You know, the, the four marks of the church, we say that every Sunday, one holy Catholic and apostolic. The church is one, but also Catholic. It's it's universal, it's diverse, but it, we all are given of the same spirit. All the gifts are directed toward building up the church. Um, and so there's a kind of tension, in a sense, between these marks. But uh, again, it's the spirit that binds us all together. It's the spirit of unity, but also the spirit of the differing gifts. And yet everyone is given a different service to perform, a different uh, way of doing it. You know, even uh, even among us, I definitely can't do what you guys do, and you, I'm constantly in awe of uh, of uh, of you brothers and how you're able to share your faith and uh, where you know um, I definitely have trouble speaking um, and and finding the right words to say. I'm always saying ums and ers and you know like I have to take the long pauses and all that kind of stuff. But um, you guys, uh, that's definitely a, a gift that I wish. I had at times, but you know, I'm not um, envious, but I, I'm definitely happy for you that, and I'm glad that you have it because you you guys use it well. 
um, and I sometimes wonder, you know, um, you know, I, I try to share what I have, but I stumble with my words. So I, you know, so I kind of rely on uh, on you to help me with that. And that's sort of an example of what Paul is trying to to say is that you know we are given different gifts, but it's all for building up the church. It's all for building up the one body of Christ. Uh, and um, and we'll see that all, uh, later on in this chapter, but also in, in chapter 13 when he talks about the gifts, but also the most important gift that everyone needs to have and uh, cultivate within themselves is the gift of charity because that's the essence of God, right? That's this, uh, the Holy Spirit is, is at the end of the day, the spirit of love. Um, but it's it's marvelous to to see how in God's wisdom, God doesn't give every single Christian every single gift. He gives each a different one and puts them in a community to where they have to rely on one another to be the complete body of Christ. And you know, Paul goes on, as a body is one, though it has many parts. You know, he's using the analogy of you know, a hand is not and uh, the part we skip is that he'll say things like, you know, the hand is not the foot, nor is it the eye. They are all, you know, uh, when one part suffers, the uh, the rest of the body suffers. <laughs> uh, I'm a little uh, embarrassed to share this. I happened to like roll my ankle earlier today. <laughs> so I've been limping around and May has been making fun of me. But, you know, my ankle is hurt. That's that Moderna, bro. <laughs> second shot. I, not, the, the embarrassing thing was I, I did that before I took my shot. <laughs> But um, but um, <laughs> uh, but the the point I'm trying to make is, oh, you know, that my ankle is you know, kind of a distant part of me. But because it's hurt, I'm my whole body is like out of whack because I can't walk how how I usually do. So I'm like limping around, and uh, and my and my daughters are like taking pity on me because I look funny. But um, that's that's kind of the reality of of. Um, of the church when uh, one of us uh, suffers there's a very real sense in which um, the whole the whole body suffers because of it yeah bro thank you for for again just you're shedding light on that right and then this reading is so powerful because there's so many ways that we can take this in and what comes to mind again just real quick for me on this reading is the words get the job done, right? Get the job done. And what I mean is that the job is to save souls. The job is to get as many folks in the pews so that God can do what he does. And I think about, right, sports and the analogy, and I think about all three of us, the, you know, this, this trinity right here, this trifecta, right? Thinking about how God had to send Jesus. Jesus had to leave us the Holy Spirit so that the job can get done, so we can get the job done. And so, you know, just to, you know, Brother Jay, yeah, I mean, again, and I think it's vice versa. I'm definitely always in awe. And when we have our conversations off the podcast for years, we've been having theological conversations that have always been so engaging to me because of the way that you put things, the way that you put things together. And so definitely appreciate all the the wisdom and light you bring. And then Brother Carlo always bringing in his perspective of a little both the theological, you know, modern day example, kind of putting it all together. So so I think that's what makes this team powerful, right? And so so back to getting the job done, let's think about it this way, right? If you're a basketball fan, right? You can't have like 
two or three Shaqs on a team. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you got to have a Shaq. You got to have a Kobe. You got to have a Gasol. Think about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for example, you got to have people on the team who know what the job is and what the goal is and be willing to play that part. Right. Be willing to play your part, because if we just had a team full of Kobe's, as nice as that would sound, well, if nobody's grabbing, you know, if nobody's blocking shots, grabbing rebounds or doing whatever, you're only going to go so far. And then, of course, prior to that, MJ and the dynasty. Right. MJ was a great player. But imagine if he didn't take as many shots that he was able to take, then he might not have had the scoring. He might have been able to score the way that he did. And how did he get extra attempts? Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, the worm, right? He's grabbing rebounds. That was his job, just to grab rebounds. And then Scottie Pippen, right? He was the the other threat in that in that trifecta with Pippen, Jordan, and Rodman because of the fact that yes, Jordan was going to be Jordan, but they also had to worry about you know what I'm saying Scottie Pippen on the wing because you couldn't just let Scottie Pippen you know alone because he 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 could put in some work. And then you had the worm just giving second, third, fourth, fifth chance opportunities. Right. So if we look at all the greatest teams put together, not everybody was in the limelight. Not everybody was making the game winning shot. Not everyone had that ability. But collectively, they had to get the job done. Same team, same goal, same mission, same vision. And I think that's where a lot of Christians, I'm going to say in general, (laughs) that's where, you know, the downside is. We've there's a lot of times even in some of the arenas and some of the spaces and circles that I'm in, I'm like, man, there is enough room for everybody, y'all. Like, let's not, you know, act like let's not have this scarcity mindset that there is room and work for all of us. And instead of trying to play a role that's that you weren't meant to play, instead of trying to be in that position that you like to watch or, you know, probably would like to see yourself in one day, but that's not your role and you know it, Brad, just play your position because at the end of the day, trying to do something that we're not meant to do. And it doesn't mean we can't, you know, get better at certain things or want to improve, but ultimately we know our strengths. We know what we can bring to the table and we know what's going to help get the job done. And so if you're someone that is, you know, again, and I love what you said, Jay, it's not about being envious. Like, you know, I'm always in awe with you both, again, in the ways that you share, in the ways that you do. But it's in that, you know, reverence and awe, like out of so much respect. And I and I let that inspire me in certain ways to be better in, you know, different areas of my life. But I also understand, like, it's not my gift. And the moment you start, the moment we realize, or for our listeners, the moment you realize, you know, what is not your gift, then the more you're going to be able to illuminate the gift that you already have. And I think that this is what this reading is really reminding us of is that you have a gift already. You do not need to seek, search, or try to be like others and their gifts. Because again, we got to do our part play our role so we can get the job done. I want to start by a visualization exercise of what a person would look like if they were made of all fingers. <laughs> Sorry. I just <laughs> No, <I'm>, that's <laughs> that's exactly the reaction. <laughs> or if if someone was made completely all of pinky toes man 
that would be a non-functional gift right there. And so I just that was that was my humor as you're talking about it. Like, man, what if all the thumbs stuck together and all the mouths stuck together and all the eyeballs stuck together? No one wanted to play with each other because nah man, I'm psh, my my thumb my thumbness is better than your pinkiness, you know what I'm saying? So I just <laughs> that's that's the visual image I was thinking of. Like, man, what if someone was made of all all thumbs? Man, that'd be useless useless but anyways that's that's what i was thinking of what uh <laughs> paul was trying to get at if he was cracking jokes like me a weirdo but um you know it's it's interesting that we talked about this because you know as you know i have these interesting conversations with my sons and one of the things that i've always believed even before i became a father was how each and every single person due to god's amazing ability to plan each and every single person had their own specific you know abilities gifts traits that were needed you know often i I compare it to you know, pieces in a puzzle. If everyone was a corner piece, your puzzle wouldn't look very nice. You know, if everyone was that one weird looking T piece and no one else was a corner piece, then you wouldn't have a complete puzzle. You couldn't get the entire picture that's attempted or or the artist is attempting to convey. And so... Because of that, one of my beliefs as a father was, man, that's my job. I have to help each of my four sons figure out what their gift is. It's not for me to say. It's not for me to designate. It's not for me to try to influence them in a certain direction. I'm not trying to make Zary a baseball player. I'm not trying to make Anakin you know, Steph Curry, although he loves Steph Curry. I'm not trying to make Avery, you know, uh, a scientist or a pilot. It's These are things that are totally up in the air because I just have accepted that these things have already been decided by God. And there's a little seed inside of each of my sons, you know, getting ready to develop into that gift that the Holy Spirit is ready to to empower. And so the the interesting gift or I'm sorry the interesting conversation I had with Zeri the other day was you know he's he's 8, you know, he's rambunctious, he gets into trouble sometimes. Um he's, he can be stubborn, he could be very loving. You know, he can speak up at the wrong times, you know, he'll 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 tell you how he really feels. And again, he's 8. And so the other day he comes up to me, he's like, dad, I'm just going to be a horrible person. Uh, and I was just like, what, what are you talking about? And again, you know, I'm I'm pretty strict on my sons. You know, I, I want to make sure that they understand that when they're kind of going in the wrong direction, I let them know. It's like, hey, you know. And so the other day he was saying, dad, you know, like, he was just explaining how he feels like he has certain traits about him. And I had to explain to him, 
Like, son, you have different traits. I have different traits. Your brother has different traits. You know, traits are things that make you who you are. There's characteristics about it. Or these are characteristics. And you're young. And you're figuring out how to use those traits. For instance, you don't use a hammer to open a glass door. You use your hands, right? He goes, yeah, okay. I said, you don't use a screwdriver to try to put a nail into it. He goes, yeah, okay. And so what I told him was your traits are like tools that you have to figure out how to use. You know, when to use them. This is what growing up is about. I told him, I said, there's traits that I have that I haven't quite figured out how to use myself. You know, and I'm 39. And so what's what's interesting is that this is almost the struggle that's parallel to the struggle in faith in terms of understanding what your gifts are. You know, there's certain things about each and every one of us that we're kind of like, man, why am I like this? You know, why do I, you know, why do I cry when, why did I cry when Marley died in Marley and Me? You know, Maggie still makes fun of me for that, by the way. That's the only time she's seen me cry over a movie. Okay, so I died, you know, I cried because Marley died. All right. But what I realized was that that was the trait that allows me to be so empathetic when it comes to my son falling down and crying, because I could easily say, hey, get up. You're not hurt, you know, but I'll, you know, pick up Avery. I'll give him a hug. And, you know, that's the trait that I use to to comfort my son. You know, when I was a firefighter, there was a trait where for some reason, even in chaos, I was, you know, and I, I might, you know, credit that to sometimes I'm kind of all over the place in my thinking. But in chaos, my mind seems to be at ease. But that was the trait I used to be able to function in an emergency situation. And so when it comes to to the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, because you can't have more than one gift, you know, based on what the Holy Spirit needs you to do. But, you know, going back to my conversation with Zeri, these gifts are things that you already have but you might not fully appreciate what it's for yet. Just like I was telling Zary, it's like, you know, your ability to be stubborn and speak up for yourself can sometimes get you into trouble. But one day, there's going to be a moment where someone needs to speak up and no one else will but you because you have that trait. You have the ability in that community to step up to the plate and do what needs to be done because you possess that one trait that you might think, oh, it's it's getting me in trouble right now. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to tell you not to speak up for yourself, but you need to understand when to use that trait because it's important. You know, like I believe the saying is, you know, what what does it take for evil to happen? It's when, you know, good people say nothing against it, you know, but hey, that's the point where Zeri needs to step up and speak up. You know, that's that trait that might have gotten you in trouble when you were a kid because you complained about, you know, eating your vegetables. But that might be the very trait that saves, you know, a group of people because you spoke up. And so what I'm trying to get at is, you know, 
for individuals, I, and I know we're talking about the community as a whole, but you know, I'm going to focus a little bit on the individual person. You have traits, you have gifts that is important to the entire community. And although you might not have figured it out because, you know, it's an ongoing process as an adult to figure out, you know, what the certain aspects of you can be used for. Take the time to understand what your gifts are and to appreciate them. You might not think it's as spectacular as that dude over there who's able to, you know, shred a guitar and play that music. But I guarantee you there are traits and gifts within you that are to the benefit of the community that you are in. And you are valuable. You are special. As Brother Ryan loves to say, you are unique and unrepeatable. And therefore, you belong in the community and your gifts can be used for the greater glory of God. Man, there's so much there that <laughs> I think about. Just the word thug scholar came up for me. <laughs> right. And the thug scholar is just this idea that. You know, I always believe that some of the most dangerous people in the world are the thug scholars, the ones who have the street smarts and the book smarts because they understand both worlds. And, and just kind of, again, this is not an exact parallel to what Brother Carlo was saying, but if there's something that you're doing that comes natural to you that you do really well, but it gets you in trouble or it doesn't serve God, imagine what it would do if it did serve God. Imagine what you could do with that gift if it was for good, right? You kind of, you know, just thinking about that. So, so whatever kind of your strength is, you like to argue, great. You know, at the end of the day, maybe you're arguing for some things that just aren't worth arguing about, but you're good at arguing. Then, then how can, you know, not how can, but God can use that for his church and for his people, or even on just even a more simpler level for a better cause, Right. Let's say maybe you may seem on the outside like a person who seems kind of like strict, straightforward, you know, no emotions, just, you know, you got to make the decisions. Well, we need decision makers who can just make the decision and stick with it and not be wishy-washy. Right. Maybe that is a sign of you aren't lukewarm, but maybe you're just on the other side right now of where God wants you to be. So imagine what it's going to look like when you take that same standing firm, that same decision making. I'm going to stick with my answer final answer, you know, and maybe it is not making you a popular person in your communities and your circles to your friends. And maybe you do seem like a jerk or, you know, uh, uh, oh, you know what, but imagine what that could look like if the heart was converted and we changed that over and you started making those same types of decisions to get the job done for the kingdom. Imagine what that could be like. Mm -hmm. By the way, the thug scholar is such an amazing analogy. I mean, like right when you said that, I'm like, dude, you just built a bridge between thugs and scholars. I mean, that's what that person would do. You know what I'm saying? Like building a bridge between thugs and scholars, two communities that might not be seen together, you know, on a regular or even natural basis. But you just a thug scholar would bring those two communities together. And that's exactly you. That's that's completely on point. 
um, with what I would say. I mean, and, and, and here's one more example. I've heard this analogy once before, you know, and, 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 um, you know, I, I bring up one of the most, you know, problematic figures in history, you know, Hitler, for instance. And, and I bring this up to, you know, and this is kind of stems off of, you know, how St. Faustina talks about, you know, your, your ability to do bad is, you know, just is almost on the same level of your ability to do good, you know, like, you know, and I bring Hitler up because here's a short brown dude with brown eyes somehow convinced, you know, a whole population of blonde hair, blue eyed people that they were the master race. You know what I'm saying? It's like, when you think about it like that, it's like, wait, you, this dude is your leader and he's telling you you're the master race, but he looks nothing like you, you know? Now I bring that up because imagine if he used his charisma and his ability to bring people and his ability to convince people to move in the same direction, but he used that ability for good instead, man, you know, he could have done so much good in the world if he went in that direction, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying his ability to, you know, confuse and to convince people to, you know, follow through with the Holocaust is a power of the Holy Spirit. But, you know, that ability that he had could have been used for so many great things to further and advance, you know, the, the human condition, you know, and, and so that's, you know, you're right on point, man. Thug Scholar, Build Bridges, yeah, you could do so much good with the gifts that you have that, you know, might not even be recognized by other people. Amen. Amen. It's all about that experience, y'all, that experience, that lived experience. So, uh, Brother Jay, any, um, anything else you want to add before we jump into the God, the sequence in the gospel? Uh, just a, a quick little catechesis on, um, you know, what, what the church calls the gifts of the spirit. And, you know, we, we can call them uh, gifts, but uh, uh, I just want to use the word charism to kind of just make a distinction. So the, we talk about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, and those are um, uh, given us at, at baptism um, and strengthened in, in confirmation. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are is um, something that we're all given and uh, given to cultivate that as we grow closer to God, you know, we just we be, we grow more wise, we grow more reverent, we grow more courageous, we grow more knowledgeable and understanding and and uh, pious and all those things. Um, so the, the um, so we're all all of the baptized are given those gifts, uh, uh, but the gifts that uh, Paul is talking about in this reading uh, and what we've been talking about in in, in general are um, more spark properly speaking charisms you know and um they're in a sense styles of spirituality if you want to put it that way you know like um it, and yeah there's going to be a lot lots of different styles of proclaiming jesus's name um you know uh, and um and it's going to look different in a lot of different situations you know uh, for for people you know but uh you know to pull from another part of Paul, when he talks about how um, the Spirit gives uh, apostles and prophets and teachers 
and administrators. Oh, a good administrator, you know, you don't see them working in, in the in the foreground, but man, when you have a good administrator in your uh, um, behind you, yeah, you can do some amazing things. You know, like a, 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 an organization can do amazing things when they have a, a good administrator. You know, and um, and these are um, uh, those are, those are charisms, and those are the kinds of things that um, uh, uh, where the the gift of the spirit can vary in us. You know, uh, so I just wanted to make that little distinction that you know we're we're supposed to strive and cultivate to all of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those, those are sanctifying gifts. That's what makes us holy. Is when we seek uh, seek to cultivate our wisdom and knowledge and uh, piety and reverence and all those things, um, but uh, but there's also a kind of um, there's a style of of living out our faith uh, and following um, the guidance of the Holy Spirit uh, that we're each kind of uniquely called to do as well. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there. So kind of like with Easter and Christmas, Pentecost has a special little part in the mass called the sequence. Uh, this is uh, sometimes called the golden sequence. It's, it's a poem uh, that uh, we're not really too sure who wrote it. Uh, sources say that there's three possibilities, but they all come from around uh, the, the Middle Ages. It was originally written in Latin uh, and it's called the Veni Sancte Spiritus, which means the, which is the primordial prayer of the church. Uh, when when Christ said that he would send the Holy Spirit, that was a, that was the this is in a sense the prayer of the church: "Come, Holy Spirit, come." While it comes from tradition, you know, it, and this is part of the creativity, and this is that's you know that uh, the style of giving uh, praise to God and the style of spirituality that I mentioned earlier. God also will give us writers, uh, people who uh, are gifted with uh, verse. And this is an example of that um, a very beautiful uh, sequence calling upon a, a, a lot of different titles of the Holy Spirit. And um, I keep using this word title of the Holy Spirit, and it's actually important for our understanding of who this Holy Spirit is. When we want to come to know someone, one of the first bits of information that we get um, after knowing that they exist is their name, right? And these titles are all names of the Holy Spirit. And some of the names that uh, the, the Christian tradition has found of the Holy Spirit is that it's the comforter, right? Uh, the consoler, the helper, you know, and not helper in the sense like, like, a, like a servant or slave, although, uh, uh, although Christ does kind of offer that to us in a way. I tend to think of it as how, um, you know, how a parent might help their child <laughs> right in, in that way you know um helping to tie their shoelace or you know feed them when when they're still learning how to eat you know um uh, in in, the, in that kind of sense uh, how a parent might help their child the holy spirit is a helper um some other titles that are kind of referenced throughout this uh the warmth of god right uh, the, you know there's the the how fire has always been a um, an image and a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This one always st stands out to me. The the poem says, "On our dryness, pour your dew." You know, and, and one of the things that we say at Mass uh, in the the retranslation, uh, 
and we pray the epiclesis. We talked about that before. The priest will say, come Holy Spirit, like the dewfall upon these gifts and make them holy that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, so uh, that image of the dewfall, how it just kind of forms and is there and is obviously very present and it has like a really refreshing image. And I always love that image of, of the Holy Spirit as a, as a dew that forms uh, on our lives that to quench an otherwise dry life, you know? And then um, further down, it mentions the sevenfold gift descend and that so whenever you you see the uh, word sevenfold that's a reference to the holy spirit and the seven gifts of the holy spirit that we talked about and we end with alleluia as you know as easter comes to an end uh with pentecost and we'll be entering into ordinary time very fitting that we prepare for that with our uh last exuberant alleluia not that we won't be saying alleluia in ordinary time but you know this is our last bit of easter Another good uh, opportunity for um, uh, Lectio Divina is to spend some time with that poem, with that uh, little sequence. Uh, so the gospel is after the resurrect, uh, after the resurrection, um, and still on that same day uh, of of the resurrection, and Jesus has been appearing to several people, but now it's evening, so he's been appearing to his disciples. Uh, and then he finally makes this appearance to uh, disciples who are behind locked doors. And remember, Jesus had just been crucified of, um, a few days before, uh, and the authorities were looking for other followers of of Christ. And um, so they had locked themselves up to to try and stay safe. Yet Jesus is able to appear in the midst of them. And, um, you know, that would be rather startling if they're behind locked doors and all of a sudden somebody, you have an extra head in the room <laughs> uh, that you didn't account for. So he says, peace be with you. Um, then he shows, he identifies himself as the crucified one, showing him his hands in his side. Um, then they rejoice and you know, they're getting all excited. Then he again says, peace be with you. Here's a kind of... Um, you know, all the stories that we've read so far of the resurrection, his ascension, the commissioning, uh, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit, John kind of condenses all of those things into this event. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And notice that uh, there's the breath here. Uh, and we, we, we've been saying this throughout the podcast, how the, the Spirit is the breath of God, right? Um, another title, another name for for the Holy Spirit, uh, but Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. And so this is uh, seen by the church as the moment that commissions his disciples, but uh, empowers them with revelation of salvation. And one of the things that we read at the very beginning of Luke's gospel uh, in the Canticle of Zechariah is that we'll come to know our salvation by the forgiveness of our sins. And one of the very important Jewish beliefs of the time when Jesus is uh, teaching is that only God has the power to forgive. Only God can do that. And that's actually one of the scandalous things that uh, led to Jesus' death. When he says, your sins are forgiven, Jesus pronounces those words. And so there's a he's implicitly saying that Jesus is God, right? <laughs> or at least taking the uh, place of God. And they thought that he was blaspheming in a way. But um, uh, Jesus 
uh, is only speaking the truth because, yeah, he is God. And so uh, now he's giving his spirit to the, the disciples uh, to carry on this office of the forgiveness of sins because that's, again, that'll be our sign of salvation is the forgiveness of our sins. And he gives this, this power, this authority uh, to his apostles, which is one of the primary missions of the church uh, is to carry on Jesus' work of reconciliation, bringing people together, not just to be together, but to be reconciled with God and to be uh, a part of God's family once again. Um, when we had fallen from that place, uh, walking with God that, you know, Adam, we, we read in, in Genesis that Adam walked with God, right? And uh, as a as a friend, and then Jesus, we read a few um, verses and chapters before this, that Jesus had just called his apostles um, friends, right? Um, so there's that kind of uh, reconciliation taking place. And now he's kind of giving the keys to the kingdom um, to his uh, church in the uh, in the forgiveness of sins, and we have that uh, through the sacrament of reconciliation, and uh, uh, well, first of all, baptism, and then reconciliation after that. Um, so a lot, a lot going on here. Uh, but just to um, bring it back to the, to the theme, Jesus breathes on them, and it's by the Holy Spirit that we have this this authority and this power as a church. Veni Sancte Spiritu, Veni mm -hmm. <laughs> Sancte Spiritu. Yep, always remember. Mm -hmm. Always that always plays through my mind during this time of year. Um, man, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Man, <laughs> don't know what else to say. I mean, just you know, reviewing here the the institution of the sacrament of confession. Mm -hmm. You know, like a little, a little uh, apologetics for you Catholic brothers and sisters out there when, you know, other Christians wonder how you go to confession and how that works and, you know, why do you have to confess, you know, your sins to a priest and, um, you know, it's, it's it, you know, just a, a quick touch on it. You know, I think, I think in what in Matthew, when Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the law, not abolish it, he didn't actually change anything he was just making things you know even more complete even more fulfilled and any jew at that time would know that the way to get your sins forgiven was to go to the temple sacrifice a lamb an unblemished lamb and and that's how you you know you you basically you know, tried to get your sins forgiven. And yet here we have now the lamb himself giving authority to the apostles who understand that this, that whole tradition of going to the temple and sacrificing a lamb has now been replaced, you know, by the lamb himself through the sacrament of confession. Yeah, you know, that's that to me is just like when I finally understood, like, oh, that's why we do that. It's not just we're just telling the priest. It's like, no, no, no. The Lamb Himself, you know, gave them the power of the Holy Spirit and gave them the authority, 
you know, to to have that declaration of your sin to the entire community through the priest as a representative of the community like they did back in the old days, you know, in, in Old Testament style. And, and hearing that, you know, it was the Holy Spirit, that the breath that he breathed on them so they could receive that power, that, which, by the way, every Catholic priest through apostolic succession is given that same, you know, that same that same ability, that same breath. You know, that's why till this day, the sacrament of confession, we understand to believe truly is a way of having sins forgiven. And I'm sure we can go way deeper. And I know I'm just like kind of scratching the surface. So feel free to email brother Jeremy for a better explanation because I'm only giving you the, the 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 super cliff notes version of it of what I remember, um, but uh, again, there's a reason why the the Catholic faith, the Universal Church, does what it does. It's not just stuff we made up, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're actually following some uh, some orders given by the Lamb Himself. So, um, but. You know, there is just the institution of the priesthood, the institution of the sacrament of confession here. And, you know, mm-hmm. earlier, you know, prior to Easter, um, institution of the sacrament of, of the Eucharist. Man, lots of gifts, mm-hmm. lots of abilities, lots of powers, you know, through the Holy Spirit. I mean, come on. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent to us for, to be able to do these things, to be able to do the work of the church. And here in this gospel reading, we see, you know, how Christ himself, the lamb himself, you know, told us this is what the church is supposed to do. You know, I mean, it's, it's always, one of the things about this reading that's interesting to me is how, like, he didn't say, hey, congratulations, you got the Holy Spirit. You know, like, hey, you guys are going to be able to do a bunch of cool stuff, high fives all around. Nope. The first thing he says is how to forgive sins. Like, man, like he had no, almost there was, there's was like, you know, usually when you share something really important, you give them the most important thing first. The first thing he says is like, this is how you forgive sins. This is your job. This is the whole point. You know, this is what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to forgive sins, to save souls so that we could all get into heaven. You know, just like I teach my son, what's the two missions, son? Number one, get into heaven. Number two, help everyone else get into heaven. You know, like that's my simplified version of what his his Catholic faith faith no faith yeah he has a Catholic faith it's universal, but his <laughs> Catholic faith is about you know and he understands that is like you know you do your part to get into heaven do what you're supposed to do you know and then while you're doing that help someone else get into heaven too get the job done yep 
get them you know don't don't mess them up by you know leading them astray don't don't cause them to sin but help them out too you yeah. know mm-hmm. amen oh amen. holy spirit amen yeah holy spirit it just you know again as we're on the theme of the holy spirit it reminds me and confirmation it reminds me of one of the verses of a song that was inspired by the holy spirit that i wrote called number one priority and the second verse, you know, after the hook, right? The Holy Spirit burns inside of me because God is my number one, number priority. one priority. And then the verse, the second verse goes, but saying yes was just the beginning. Life was a test and I kept sinning. My faith was strong. So Satan wanted me more, hoping not fall to the floor. And there were plenty of times that I would fall. But I remember the conversion of St. Paul. A saint is just a sinner who just fell down and got right back up and turned it around. The same goes for me and you Believe, receive, and let the Holy Spirit through Get out the way Witness its power God delivers every second, every minute, every hour Because of my faith, He is the real deal I pray to Him daily because I know He will heal The brokenhearted, those with addictions The liars, the cheaters That was part of His mission His Spirit brings me joy and so much peace Put down the temptations, try a Jesus release Hey, And so... You know, the word that stuck out to me, (laughs) different charisms, brother, different charisms. Right. And and the word that sticks out to me for reals. And again, I'm just trying to keep everything as simple as I can for our listeners as well. Just to give all different layers and levels is the first word that Jesus says in this reading. Peace. Peace. Peace be with you. And I love this because it's a reminder that I've said it time and time again. I strive for God's peace before world peace. As nice as world peace may sound, God's peace is more attainable. And God's peace will allow me to be at peace when the world is not at peace. <laughs> right? And, and just thinking about how chaotic times in our lives can be regardless of how crazy things can be in our personal lives, in our professional lives, in our ministry lives, or in those of the lives around us, Jesus says right here, y'all, peace be with you. And it's that reminder that no matter what we're struggling with, no matter what we're going through, Jesus is saying, peace be with you. Let my peace be with you. Because when you have God's peace with you, despite all the externals, despite all the things that are happening on the outside, you're going to be all right. And as we talked about the sacraments, right? It's that outward sign for that inward grace, right? Outward sign that leads to that inward grace. And I feel like if we really focused more on God's peace, if we really focused more on the individual charisms that we have been blessed with, if we really focus more on knowing that and having that conviction that the gifts that we've been given at our baptism that get strengthened through confirmation and as we mature, right, through that maturation process, that those gifts are only going to show up more and we have conviction in that, imagine what our world, when I say ours as in like our personal world and our world at home 
in our world at work could look like. And I love just again, just this idea that Jesus comes and he shows his hands and his side. Christ crucified says, peace be with you. Coming from the man who was crucified, coming from the person who was tortured, coming from the person who rose above death, who took it all, and he still says, peace be with you. So I don't know who needs to hear that right now, who's going through their storm right now, someone's going through their struggles right now, listening to this podcast, whether it's relational, marriage, financial, academic, maybe you're just trying to figure out, you know, your your relationship with God, whatever that might be. And Jesus is reminding us, number one, right, peace be with you in this reading. And number two, get that fresh start. Get that fresh start. Get to that, get to the sacrament of reconciliation. Start fresh. This is your time to start fresh from the inside out. From the inside out. So all right, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and just uh, kick off our final thoughts on this Pentecost Sunday, the 50th day after Easter, a.k.a. the birthday of the church. So much here. And again, we um, really encourage and strongly encourage you all to spend time with this, you know, when you can. Again, chapter by chapter, um, timestamp by timestamp because it is all pure and it is all just, again, here to refine you, here to sharpen you. Again, Project Whetstone. So let's go ahead and kick it off. But Brother Jay, final thoughts. So we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit and how it's the the breath of God. And um, one of the things that, that struck me when, when Brother Carlo was talking was when he mentioned the um, how our bishops today are the successors to the apostles. Um, who themselves um, were breathed upon by Jesus, you know, and um, it, it made me think about um, uh, the Chrism Mass. I, 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 uh, they're hard to to get to um, because they're always held at, at the, um, you know, at the diocesan center at the cathedral wherever your bishop is. Um, um, but I, I would highly encourage. Uh, you to when the next time a uh, a chrism mass rolls around is to go to one and look out for the the signs of the Holy Spirit that uh, and the symbols of the Holy Spirit um, because one of the what they do at the chrism mass is is in the, in the name that's when they consecrate the holy oils uh, that are uh, uh, processed in on Holy Thursday um, and uh, so after consecrating you know, the oil of catechumens and the oil of the sick or the oil in the, of the infirmed. Um, the last one will be chrism. Um, and I'll, 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 um, this will lead to my final thoughts. I was just going to try and do this quickly, but, uh, so chrism is a very special oil. It's the, the most special of the three oils. Uh, and it's, um, uh, it serves four purposes in the church. Um, and uh, three of them are in sac uh, sacraments. Uh, it's used when we uh, baptize. It's used in confirmation. And it's used in uh, holy orders, uh, the ordination of men to become deacons, priests, or bishops, uh, or, and bishops. Okay. Um, and then uh, the last use uh, that's uh, not a sacrament is when we uh, 
consecrate a building to be a church. That's a, um, the bishop will use chrism to anoint the walls and the altar. And that's when, after that anointing, that building is no longer just a normal, normal building. It's been set apart and consecrated for the purpose of being a church, um, uh, a place where God is uh, properly worshipped and and um, uh, where mass is celebrated. And um, the reason why I, I go into that is, you know, for our our listeners who are wondering where is the um, the Holy Spirit in their lives, where 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 is the moment that Jesus breathes on them? And I bring up the chrism mass is when uh, the bishop consecrates the chrism to become chrism, um, uh, he does something that he doesn't do with the other oils. Uh, and they, um, when Bishop Soto did it in the Sacramento Diocese, they mic'd it because it's a, such a significant moment. He breathes into the, the large flask of oil um, as the moment of the consecration of that oil. And that oil, again, will be put on the uh, baptized to be uh, so that heathens become Christians and and uh, uh, the uh, neophytes become, uh, in a sense, apostles, you know, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit in confirmation and men, um, Catholic men to become uh, ministers of uh, the altar. And so. Um, uh, so for those who are, are looking for that that concrete connection to Jesus, um, uh, you know, seek out. And if you if you haven't been baptized, get baptized. If you haven't been confirmed, get confirmed because that's where the, the um, you can get the the real breath of Christ um, handed on through the uh, succession of the apostles. Hmm. Final thoughts on this one. Sorry, I got lost in listening to Jeremy. I was like, oh, maybe <laughs> I completely lost what I was going to say. <laughs> um, I think I think it's simple as this. Let God steer. Let the Holy Spirit move you the way it was intended to. Let the Holy Spirit move through you like wind moves through a woodwind instrument. You know, let, let yourself be that instrument of the Holy Spirit so that you contribute to the orchestra of sounds that comes together in community, you know, to make that amazing symphony, to make that, you know, 1812 overture, you know, to, to just be part of the glory that God intended to shower down on humanity. You know, let the Holy Spirit, let God steer. Amen, brothers. And, and my final thought is, is really just going to be more of this invitation for you to 
again, on what both Brother Jay and Brother Carla were talking about in terms of, you know, being more officially official in the church through the sacraments of baptism and confirmation and allowing the Holy Spirit to steer, right, and to guide. And, and I'm going to just take it and just add that little last layer and ask, you know, again, I always hear the question, well, you know, what if it doesn't work, right, when it comes to different opportunities, you know, for entrepreneurs out there or people who just, you know, try different things. You always hear like, well, what if it doesn't work? And, and I'm always that, that person, right, that says, well, what if it does work? Like, what if it does work? What if the chance that you're going to take on yourself, the, the you know, yeah, the chance you're going to take on yourself and the gifts that you have and the strengths that you have and the things that you believe in that many other people will say, man, what if it doesn't work? Well, I'm going to be that person to say, well, what if it does work? What if the Holy Spirit and everything that we learned today in today's podcast does work? And I'm not going to say because it doesn't work because we know it works and we've seen it work, but I'm going to be more specific. What if it works with you? What if it works within you? What would life be like? What would your, not just your spiritual life, but everything, even external, what would that look like if you said to yourself, all right, I'm either going to get baptized, get confirmed, go to the sacraments, or you know what? I have been baptized. I have been confirmed. And now I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit steer. I'm going to take what Project Whetstone Blaze Ministry 707 talked about, and I am just going to go all in. And I'm not going to stop thinking about the questions that I've been posed or the questions that we hear about. What if God isn't real or God you know, doesn't exist? No, no, no. Let's go the other side of that. And let's, let's, let's take that chance. And what if, as we know, and we believe God is real, but, you know, thinking, what if God is real? What if it works? What if the Holy Spirit truly has so many things for you just waiting to unleash in your spirit, in your heart, and in your mind that are going to reflect on your external everything on the outside of your you know in your life so that's the invitation let's allow god and let's allow the holy spirit specifically to guide let's get there first let's do it the right way right again and i say the right way as in in the way that the catholic church um does it i know this is always a controversial (laughs) topic and it's a whole nother podcast in itself but just imagining what if you took the time to really prepare your heart and your mind um, to go through the sacraments what if you took the time to really prepare your heart and your mind to let the holy spirit steer what if you prepared your heart and your mind to start thinking what if it does work and imagine what life could be like so with that it has been another awesome pleasure to serve you all through this podcast again thank you for taking the time to listen 
Remember, rate the podcast, share the podcast, continue to help us spread the word, right? This is all free content, free content. And we hope that you don't just consume this content, but you take it in and you allow it to activate your faith so that we can continue to be the hands and the feet and the body of Christ that we're all called to be. So as always, remember to continue to pray for us because we will always be praying for you. Amen. Amen. Peace be with you. <laughs>